This is the Legacy Wealth Code Podcast, helping you build long-term wealth and a lasting legacy through real estate investing, tax strategies, and motivational stories from some of the most successful and influential people out there. Here are your hosts, real estate investor and entrepreneur, Michael Notbaum and real estate investor and attorney, Andrew Hook. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Legacy Wealth Code Podcast. You are stuck with me today. Andrew is on vacation, but I will tell you that today is going to be a great episode. I've got Ryan McGinnis with me today. He's a good friend of mine who also is extremely successful in the real estate and lending space. And I, I'm beyond excited to to share with you guys his story and and really how he brings the legacy piece full circle to what we're trying to build here. And I think he's already doing it every day in his life. So welcome to the show, Ryan. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me on. So let's let's just talk a little bit about your background. I, I obviously know a lot about you. You know, you and I have been friends what now for five, six years. Um we're both pilots, which is terrifying for many people when I tell them I'm a pilot and less terrifying when you know, you tell him you're a pilot, which I think will, you know, lend to his credibility later in the show as you start to see exactly what he's done to to build the legacy. So walk us through kind of from college till till now. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I've always been an entrepreneur. My my family, my father kind of, you know, raised me that way, showed me uh, business from a re- very young age. My first major business was owning a pizzeria back in 2001 around right in college. I actually stopped going to school to to open that. That ties into real estate a little bit because a big developer came out and, and bought out our lease and you know that ended my pizza flipping career, fortunately. <laughs> so pizza flipping. Then I, I came down to Tampa in 2008, started working with my brother, and that was obviously the, you know, financial doomsday back then. And I saw value in real estate at that point because there was a lot of market manipulation as far as stock market which is what we used to do. And then we, we, I, I transferred over to real estate because I saw you know, value in a tangible asset, right? Everybody needs a house, warehouse, you know, a, lot, a lot of other things where not necessarily, you don't see that in the stock market. And it's an asset that doesn't disappear overnight. You know, like the tech stocks was- Co- Correct. I have friends that were, you know, multimillionaires one day and then the next day they didn't have anything left. So like the, the real estate's still there. Exactly. And, and you know, there could be news on a stock and maybe it was fake news, right? Maybe a bad article came out and it was a person that they thought was a CEO and it was somebody else and you lose, you know, 50% or a hundred percent of your portfolio over something that was kind of out of your control. And, and in fact, it was inaccurate. Yeah. So let's talk about this. Cause I think one of the things that is something I'll always admire about you is how you you build a legacy and you live it every day, right? So there's a book, I, I don't know if I've ever given it to you, but I'm happy to. I bought a bunch of copies of it, but it's called Die With Nothing. And the 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 30 second summary of it is, you know, basically live your life now. Don't actually die with nothing, but leave leave money for the people you care about, but actually do the things that you want to do now. So a lot of people I think have this mindset that I'm going to go and work a ton and basically do nothing for 10, 15 years. So that way, one day I can enjoy all this money. And, you know, tomorrow's not promised. And then not to mention, not only is tomorrow not promised, but the reality is we're not going to be in the same condition physically that we're in today, 15, 20 years from now. So being able to go on ski trips, going on, you know, all these different things, your last 72 hours has been what most people would dream about having. But Walk me through kind of how that, you know, how you live your life with that in mind. Yeah. So, I mean, how I set up the lending business, which is my main business now, you know, these days you can do everything remote, right? People just call them. Two days ago, I was on a ski lift, taking calls on a ski lift. And 
you know, people may put that off and not answer that call. But, you know, if I have some downtime on a ski lift, why not answer? And I think that's my advantage in business is that you get instant response from me. And I don't think that it, it, it has a negative impact on, on my lifestyle. You know, some people could handle that way, but I, I, I don't see it that way. Now, being at the Masters yesterday puts you at a disadvantage because were you able to bring it or is that why you went on a Wednesday? That, nope, that was a checkmate. <laughs> so, so for the first time in ever, I didn't have my phone on me because they were super strict about bringing in phones and I didn't want to get kicked out of the Masters. So I actually left it on the plane and didn't have it for eight hours. A lot of people thought I perished, but I'm, I'm still here. <laughs> And, you know, for people that don't know Ryan, that's 100% accurate because if he doesn't answer his phone, if there's like a 20 minute window, you're really worried that something might be drastically wrong, unless it's after 9.30 p.m. at night. Then, you know, he's just sleeping. Cause, right, right. You know, he's yeah, got a my very strict bedtime is, strict you know, eight bedtime. or nine at night and then I get up early, but it's but worth I, it. But I think that the way you live your life, I mean, you know, a lot of us, you know, we all like to have fun, but you're very disciplined and it seems like that's probably a big key factor of your success. Like the fact that you do manage your life in such a disciplined way, you know, what other things do you think lead to the way that you've been able to to build the business you have? I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head there. The most important thing that I think is just do what you say you're going to do. And it seems so simple and it is so simple, yet almost a majority of people just can't live up to a simple task. You know, even it starts, if I say I'm going to meet you somewhere at six o'clock, I'll actually be there at 5.55, but I'll never be late. It just won't happen. And people think, oh, well, how can that happen? You you just prepare. And that sets the step, stepping stone and the building block for everything in life. You start small and then you just keep snowballing that up to up to success. That's awesome. And honestly, it's like you said, a very simple thing, but most people don't do it. Yeah. You know? and, may, and maybe it's not a big deal to people, right? They say, okay, I showed up at 6.15. Who cares? It was it was six o'clock. And it's not a big deal. But again, I think when you do that in every aspect and you, and, you know, you miss this meeting or miss this possible advantage or opportunity, you know, they set the pace for everything else that, that you could potentially have or you don't have because you didn't complete that. Yeah, no, for sure. So, all right. So you've got this crazy, awesome life that you can live because of the lending business, you also used to flip a ton of houses. Correct. So how did you transition from somebody that's investing a lot in real estate? Because, you know, I invest a lot in real estate and I still am a firm believer in it. But I think that there's probably a misconception that people think, well, I can't just become a bank. I mean, I don't have millions and millions of dollars to lend out. So how did you transition from flipping a bunch of properties to being the lender? Sure. So- there's a, there's a, a few reasons and there's a few whys. You know, when I kind of transitioned, I made that pivot probably in 2014, 2015. The market, you know, had been screaming up for probably three or four or five years at that point, which is a long time. You know, clearly it, it, it screamed up another seven years or, you know, we'll see how far it goes. Things are starting to stabilize, maybe down, maybe up from there. But we were looking at a product where uh, we could simplify our real estate business and also scale it without having to scale employment and and capitalization and really headache and time and all that. You know, currently we have about 80 million in active notes and on the lending side about 250 notes. If I had to flip or build 250 houses, you know, I would have to have a staff of I don't know, 100 and and a 10,000 square foot at least warehouse and more importantly, just headache all day, every day that, that goes into that. So we transition to lending. We still get a good yield, we feel. And that puts the burden of 
you know, all these projects on your borrowers and hopefully they make their payment. And if they don't, you have a hard asset at average about 52%, 52 cents on the dollar. So, you know, we're in a really good position. So that's something I think for most people just to stop and think about for a second, because what you've done is essentially insulated yourself away from all risk of market shifts. And I, and I say all risk within, you know, a reasonable, I mean, if, if the market shifts 50%, now you're down 2% on average, you know I mean? And that's never happened in history, but you're, you're positioning yourself to where you still have a great return. You're able to scale it without having to add a bunch of people. It's you, your brother, and your other brother that basically run 250 notes, $80 million on the street. That's correct. Without having, you know, 10,000 square foot warehouse, supply chain issues. So, I mean, there's definitely some huge value to this idea. So how does somebody that's not doing this currently or has never thought of it even begin to get involved in and lending, being the bank. Yeah, so there's two sides to that, right? There's the borrower side and the lender side. Uh, you have to find good quality borrowers that have a ton of money down. You know, the max that we lend is 70%. We feel that with a 30% cushion, you know, we're very safe there. And on average, again, they'd have to go down 48% for us to be, to be even. And then meanwhile, they're paying, you know, origination fee and they're paying interest along the way. And they're probably improving the property, which further would deleverage your position. The other side of it is the lending side. So the, that's probably the easier part once you get going. But you know, I started to sell fund and then went to family and friends and banks. You know, got general lines of credit that I could redeploy. Um, so depending on your relationship with other business people, the borrower side is probably the more difficult because it's tough to find people that want to put fifty percent down and pay a higher rate than what they could get at a bank. But there's there's definitely demand out there, and I think the demand will continue to grow as banks tighten up and you know you're seeing some shakeout in in different things so banks credit will probably get tighter and what's crazy is like so you're lending at basically you know 1% of whatever the loan amount is per month interest only that's correct all of our rates we've always maintained that and that's another thing that's increasing our our popularity and business is that you know when rates were 2 and 3% I was gonna, yeah. we we were 12% annual now rates are 6 7 8 9 and, you know i've heard of 10 from some hybrid lenders so it's more palatable to to do 12% annual. And you don't have the same guidelines. Like somebody could call you today and say, hey, I, I need to close next Wednesday. And, you know, assuming title is done, you can make that happen. Yeah, that's actually a long time for us. You know, we've we've gotten deals that we have never heard of that day. And, and another lender dropped the ball and they have to close that day or they're going to lose their deposit in the deal. And we've gotten it, you know, to our attorney and drafted and closed in the same day. But if we have five days, that's that's plenty of time. So basically you started with, you know, real estate flipping on your own, put together some capital. Then you started using that capital instead of reinvesting it into real estate deals. You thought I can insulate my risk by actually just lending this money out. Absolutely. Then and the demand was too high. So then you went to your friends and family and you said, hey, this is what I'm already doing with my money. Can, you know, you guys have some extra money? They said, yes. Okay, great. Then you go to banks. What kind of, are you getting like a mezzanine line of credit or? Yeah. So banks are funny, right? You would think if you went to them and said, hey, you know, I have a 50% LTV note. I want to collateralize it for a line of credit. They would say, yeah, that's great. But, you know, banks are banks and they have to, they have to lend within their, their guidelines. And for my business, I'm fortunate that they do. So it's easier for me to go to a bank and get an unsecured line of credit than it is to pledge a 50% LTV 
uh, house. I know it sounds crazy, but that's that's the reality of it. And it's so funny to me because I was saying this the other day to somebody. I said, you know, if the banks are performing, the people running the bank get these huge bonuses based on how well they're doing with the money that's, you know, the deposits versus what they're lending out. And then if they totally just, you know, crap the bed and lose all the money, then the government bails them out. <laughs> that's that's right. That's right. It's, it's the craziest thing I've ever heard of. I know they get a they get a complete free roll basically from from really us because we're the one paying dollars on that. So and I think that you know I gave you that book a few weeks ago or I guess a month ago or so now, and I met the author of the the Banker's Code, and I think the text I sent to you is I can't believe you've been holding out on this information this whole time, but you read the book and the logic behind it is that you know the bank always wins. You sell a property and you make a ton of money. Well, that's great. The bank gets paid first, you know, plus their interest, et cetera. You lose money. Okay. The bank still gets paid. Like no matter what, the bank wins. That's correct. Yeah. I mean, we're we're fortunate in 800 deals that we've always received our, our principal, our interest, you know, any default rate interest, any attorney's fees in, in every single deal. So are you still looking for other people to invest with you? Yeah, I mean, we're always growing. We're, we're, our growth is actually insane. You know, we're always happy to take on other individuals and, you know, tie them into the mortgages that we're lending on. Potential new investors can always reach out to me. So, how does that work? You know, I've got a half a million dollars and I just want to be, you know, in a deal. I'm not just sending you half a million dollars, right? That's correct. Yeah. So, the, the lender would be, we're, we're the servicer on that note. The lender would tie into that particular property. They would know exactly what they're lending on. You know, we would fully underwrite the deal before uh, we send it to them. We would send them over our, our underwriting package, you know, with appraisals, valuation, LTV, all all the numbers that you would want to look at. And then they can make a decision if that's something that they want to fund. But I'm not sending them anything that I wouldn't fund myself and I, and I do fund myself. So it should be turnkey because a lot of our investors, we have full, you know, they have full trust in us. And when I send it over, it's a, it's a package that's ready to go. Yeah. So they know, okay, you know, Ryan sent this over to me. I know that the underwriting guidelines are definitely within a risk parameter I'm comfortable with. And the length of the, the notes, what, a year, two years, three years? Everything's two-year balloon, but the borrower can pay off early anytime. There's no prepayment for them. So, you know, I would say 12 to 14 months is, is uh, probably an average duration. Uh, some lenders prefer, you know, hey, I want to get in closer to 24 months. Some guys say, you know, I prefer the ones that are one or two months. So typically when we get the package, we kind of know. I mean, things, there could be delays or maybe they pay off early, but we can kind of custom tailor it to what the lender would, would like. And so, okay. So basically somebody gives you money. Now they're investing in deals. In the worst case scenario, you got to foreclose on this property. Correct. Two, two scenarios happen there. Well, three really. Probably somewhere along the way of the foreclosure, the prop, the borrower would just sell the property, right? They have a million dollar house. We're owed 500,000 on it. They shouldn't allow us, the lender, to go through with the foreclosure. They have so much equity. Even if they had a fire sale for nine or eight, you know, take their three or four hundred thousand and and move on, whatever their situation is. Potentially it could go all the way to foreclosure. Two scenarios happen. A bidder bids above what we're owed, and the bidder gets the property and we get our full funds, including any default interest, attorney's fees, or the real home run is if we get the property, right? So we get a million dollar property. We have 500000 into it, and now we can do what we want with it. Yeah, because even if you add in all the fees, you're probably at like 600000 at the very most. So sure. So in that and, case- 
and the fees are, you know, not real money, right? They, you, you obviously had what you had into the project. So even the fees on top, if, if 500 turns to 600, really you're still in the house for 500. Yeah. I mean, that's an incredible business model. And I think it's one of those things a lot of people never really think about the fact that you can be the bank and it doesn't have to be a, a huge scale. Like you don't have to have $500 million that you're deploying at, you know, like, like a typical bank would have. You can actually just do one or two deals underwrite them this way, make money on it, prove that concept, and then move forward with friends and family, et cetera. But you also offer somebody that becomes an investor, they get a pretty ridiculous rate of return just by partnering with you. Sure. Yeah. We take a simple servicing fee and they get the rest of it. So it's it's pretty lucrative and most importantly, safe for them, especially in these market conditions. People have money in the stock market that are probably down 20 or 30% or you know they were wholesalers or flippers and you know, things are cooling off or the competition is getting too tough. This, you can deploy the capital. You're going to get your interest check every month and, and you can kind of sleep at night, not worrying about it. So you hit something that I think is, you know, cause you kind of see both sides, you see the real estate side and you see the lending side. What do you think the next 12 to 24 months looks like, or even maybe say the next three years and the real estate market in general, I would say the real estate market lending, the economy. I mean, what kind of trends are you thinking are going to happen? Yeah. I mean, things are, are definitely getting shaky. I think specifically to Florida and Tampa, you know, we're kind of insulated, I think a little bit from a downside risk just because everyone wants to move here. You know, people are, are rushing out of other states to be here. So that's kind of what we've seen already, right? Things haven't taken any downturn, but if you look nationwide, there's definitely some downturn in other areas. Uh, I think private lending will continue to be important. I think banks will continue to tighten up. People still need to get deals done, so they have to turn to you know private lenders. I'm sure you know, like any other economic downturn or or stabilization, you know, the long term will be fine. But but things were just you know on a ten plus thirteen year plus just ride straight up. So I think that's almost unhealthy as well. Yeah. All right. So let me change the shift gears a little bit as we kind of wrap up here. But I think it's something that. You know, we will laugh about it. It was a it was a bet to begin with, but you, the guy who has a Rolls Royce and thirty plus cars, a multi million dollar house, is is making money hand over fist in the lending business. Actually, had a bet to work at Taco Bell for a month. That's correct. Yep, and you did it. Just like you said earlier, if you say you're going to do something, you're going to do it. And I don't think there's anyone who knows you that would ever refute that. I mean, that's there's. You know, if there's ever two two people that disagree, they go to the McGinnis Court. I mean, and you're gonna you're giving the final say. So walk me through that experience and how you know. It, yeah, it was a bet, but I think just based on the post that you made afterwards, I think it was actually a rewarding experience. Yeah, it just goes down. You know, nobody's too good for any job. It was a it was a humble humbling experience, and it just lets you know that you're not you're not better than anybody. You know, when I went on there, I was equal to everybody there. I worked hard and, you know, got promoted pretty quickly through the, <laughs> through the, the KFC Taco Bell family. To the cashier, I think, right? Yeah. Right away, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to run in the drive-thru after only a few days. But again, it's an experience that everybody just needs to realize where they're at. And that kind of level will, will help you help, help you in your own life, no matter where you are. Right. There some, I think some people get somewhere in life and they think they're above a lot of things. And, you know, that's, that attitude will just impact them negatively in, in ways they don't, they don't even know it. So it was definitely a humbling experience. I'm glad I did it. Uh, I'm not, I am also happy that it's over and I'm not there, <laughs> but I, I enjoyed it. I mean, it was great for us because we were able to go through the drive-thru 
an order and try to basically, you know, sabotage your entire scenario, which unfortunately didn't work because I think, uh, you know, Taco Bell corporate was looking at you for some serious promotions in the near future. But at the end of the day, I think you make a great point. I mean, a lot of us, you know, as you start getting success in life, it's easy for it to go to your head. And uh, it's definitely never gone to your head. And I respect that beyond measure. I think the way you've built things and the way that you've, you know, essentially built a business that funds your life. And I think a lot of people get really caught up in just work, 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 and then they're never enjoying life and it's over. Yeah. And I think that you do a really good job of that. So if if you're somebody who's interested in investing, building a legacy, what advice, like just from a ground floor perspective, would you, would you tell someone? You could start small, you know, start, start anywhere. You don't, you kind of alluded to it earlier, but you don't need to start out with a $5 million deal you know, we see deals as, as low as 50,000 and it's really just jump in. I talk to people all the time that on paper, they have everything laid out and they do all this stuff, but there's just no action with it, right? You always, and, and it doesn't have to be in lending. It could be in anything that you want to do. You do it, you do it. And then if you fail, who cares? You get back up and you do it again and you do it again and you do it again. I can tell you, you know, it, it hasn't always been an awesome life. I've had failures too. And I, I've had days where you think, oh man, how am I going to get through this, but that's, that's just what you have to do. You just get back up and you learn everything every time, right? A failure should be turning into a learning lesson for you. Yeah. No, you hit it on the head. I don't think there's an oppor- like an entrepreneur out there that hasn't had a whole bunch of failures, even, you know, Jeff Bezos and these guys. I mean, I think, what was it? Elon Musk was down to his last rocket before SpaceX. Like NASA was like, dude, if this blows up, we're done. Yeah. And that's the one that made it. Yeah. If you don't have failures, you, you didn't hit your potential, right? If you just, you could be you could be a success and and have not had a failure, but I think that just means that you're you know, just just complacent and you're not you're not achieving your true potential. Yeah, you're not pushing yourself. Man, I tell you what, this has been a great episode. I can't even imagine like if you listen to this and you're not getting some pearls of wisdom out of this, then I I, I don't know what else we can do. I mean, there's so much good stuff you've shared. So somebody wants to get a hold of you. How do they how do they get in touch? Instagram, cell phone, yeah, email? Either one. I'll give you all three. My cell is 352-262-3722. If I'm not at the masters, I promise I'll answer. <laughs> <laughs> Instagram can be reached at Mr. McGinnis, M-R-M-C-G-U-I-N-N-E-S-S. And email is Ryan at RPM Realty com. Like Ryan at RPM Realty the beginning part of invest.com. And he can probably find you on a variety of social media outlets. All you got to do is just look for the guy either next to a Lamborghini, a Rolls Royce, a private jet. I mean, you name it. He's probably next to it in his profile picture, but that's how you'll know it's him for sure. (laughs) Gotcha. (laughs) I really appreciate you being on the podcast and uh, wish you all the best. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Hopefully everybody enjoyed it and we'll chat soon. All right. Till next time, guys. Onward. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Legacy Wealth Code podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, click subscribe now and never miss an episode. Until next time, onward. Onward.